Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, we hear from Kyle Reynolds as he begins our new series, Winter Wonder. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Well, hello, Eastlake. Uh, my name is Kyle Reynolds. I'll share a little bit about myself before we jump into things, but uh, I live in Issaquah, Sammamish area with my family. So we're um, physically local to Eastlake and attended for years. I just, I miss, I miss you. I miss, um, I miss uh, singing alongside you and um, goofing around in the lobby and um, just, just miss, I miss you all quite a bit. Uh, but we've been attending for years, and uh, Eastlake's been a big part of our lives and um, transformational for us, for sure. Uh, in addition to that, um, I'm a small business owner, along with my wife. Actually, she's the owner. I'm the president. She likes to remind me. Um, <laughs> uh, before that, like in another life, I was an evangelical pastor for 15 years. Um, seems like a, it was a long time. And uh, been married to Laura now for 17 years, and then Link... My oldest son is 12 and Sawyer is nine. They're doing the um, virtual school, so you might hear them in the background right now. Um, and we're jumping into a, a new series called Winter Wonder. So uh, I, I'm tasked with talking about the wonder of love uh, today, and I wanted to share a few moments and a few thoughts about that, if you don't mind. Um, speaking of Laura, um, I think it was maybe like five years ago, we were cooking together and uh disclaimer she's like the worst flirter ever <laughs> she's just too direct like just terrible flirting and i'm always trying to get her to flirt with me <laughs> it just never works out well so um so we're um we're i'm attempting to flirt with her in the kitchen while we're cooking dinner and i'm like um sipping some wine with her and we're talking and she i'm like yeah i snuck out and got this um bottle of wine for us and she's like i know you did and i was like no you didn't you didn't see that i left and and she's like oh i knew you went and if you didn't go and get that bottle of wine i would i would have known i'm like oh sure you would have okay yep miss like you're you just know everything about me she's like oh yeah i would have tailed your ass and i'm like wait what <laughs> you would have tailed me what, what are you talking about? Like, I'm sure you know how to do that. She's like, oh, I do know how to tell people. I learned it. I'm a private detective. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, you're a private detective in your own mind. Sure. And she's like, no, I went to get a certification as a private detective. And I will tell your ass if you ever figure feel like you're going somewhere that you shouldn't. And I'm like, this escalated quickly. Like, what, what is going on? She went on to share with me that before we got married, she actually like took a certification class to become a private detective <laughs> and learn how to properly tail someone a certain amount. I don't know what they learned, it, but <laughs> we had been married for like 12 years and I didn't know that about her. Like <laughs> it was the weirdest. And so uh, sometimes I wonder if like, 
if God has a way of putting those kinds of moments in our lives, that the wait, what moments, you know, of almost kind of adjusting our posture that, oh, you don't actually know it all. And there's so much more to this world. And uh, the wonder of love, the capacity to love can actually grow in our hearts. You know, we can move from certainty to curiosity again. We move from this closed stance to an open one, from a know-it-all kind of person to someone with some childlike wonder. I mean, it's a better way of living, right? That's actually how I really want to live this life, is asking the question of what else am I missing? I mean, love has a way of making us curious and continually urging us onward. Love um, always grows. Always grows. So it took me like 12 years to um, discover Laura as a private detective. And, um, but it took me like, I think 17 years as a Christian. I think I'd been a Christian for 17 years um, before I realized that God doesn't hate the LGBTQ community. And uh, I don't mean, apologize for being crass and how I frame that, but that's how I would have framed it back then, to be frank. Um, I was a pastor for a long time and I said some things um, and taught some things that I'm, um, I'm horrified by now, you know? Uh, but my journey towards affirmation um, began by noticing blind spots in other places and then drove me to ask the question of like, okay, but what else am I missing? Like the beginning of the slippery slope in the best kind of way was when I, um, it finally dawned on me that um, probably 99% of my theology, so like the way I conceived of God and, and thought of who God is, that that came from um, people who were um, white, upper-class men. Like whether it was theologians or authors or um, um, people up front, uh, podcasts, whatever it was, they all were the exact same demographic, um, upper-class white men. And then I contrasted that by looking at the Bible and looking at the authors of the Bible and the audiences of the Bible, and I realized that 99% of the theologians and audiences of the Bible were, uh, were not white, and they were usually lower class, and oftentimes they weren't men either. And so this was like, suddenly hit me, and I'm like, this seems painfully obvious that this would produce some blind spots for me. What else am I missing? Like, there's a little bit of terror, but also a, a little bit of wonder that uh, gets evoked, because you're like... Oh my gosh, if I didn't see that, what else am I not seeing? And, um, and it adjusts your posture in the most beautiful kind of way. But there's always going to be people that, um, that don't want that for us, you know, that, that they actually st uh, stand to benefit from you or I remaining the way that we are. But love doesn't work that way. Love always urges us onward. It always grows. Do you have someone in your life like that, that they stand to benefit from you remaining the same way? And yet love moves you onward. It's the way it works. So for me, this, um, this sense of wonder and then threatening uh, came to a head for me uh, as a pastor in the evangelical world. Um, for, it came for me for a job uh, when I was working in a Christian nonprofit. And um, while I was on staff there, I, um, I saw two of my friends, Cal and Becca, um, that uh, two wonderful women uh, began a relationship together, a romantic relationship. And so I liked the status on Facebook. 
and I even put in the comments, totes adorbs. And, um, and then the very next day I got called in, um, to, uh, be questioned about that. And, uh, it was very clear that they were uncomfortable with that. And that, uh, in addition to that, they were very uncomfortable with me going to an affirming church like Eastlake and it all looked like it was not going to turn out well. And right around that time, I, um, so I'm like in the midst of this, right. And, um, this clash of, of threatening and, and wonder and love gently moving me on, moving me forward, always wanting to grow. And uh, I had a walk scheduled with uh, Ryan Meeks, the founder of Eastlake. And, um, and I was really excited. I was looking forward to it for, uh, for like a month. And so um, we meet up and in Bothell and it's like pouring rain, I remember. And Ryan had all the right gear and I, <laughs> I did not. So I'm like soaking wet. Uh, and we started walking through the river trail in, in Bothell, uh, North Kirkland area. And, um, and I'm just venting to him and I'm scared and, um, and I'm just like, what am I going to do? And, and, uh, he stops and shows me this tree and I'm like, I don't care about this damn tree, Ryan. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm scared. And, uh, and so we're talking and then we get done and I'm soaking wet and, um, we get back to the Starbucks where we started and, um, and we say goodbye. And, and before we leave, he goes, he says, Kyle, um, just so you know, like whatever you decide, if, if you need to stop coming to East Lake and cut ties, I totally get it and it's okay. And I won't think any less of you. And, um, and you'll always be my friend, no matter what I get it. I understand. It's okay. And, uh, I remember getting in to the car and I remember I said out loud in my car by myself, I just said, damn it, Ryan. Um, cause love was inviting me onward, you know? And even more, it was like, it was like I had been stressing over, it's like Ryan was living from a totally different economy. Like I was grieving the loss of a few dollars while he had stopped paying and saving years ago. And it was, it not only that, but it, it showed a conflict in, in what I had believed about who God is that I always saw things in transactional ways as a pastor that, um, everything and everyone is a means to an end that Jesus died for me. So I could live for him. I'm a means to his end or either another subtle way of saying it in my circles was you're made for mission. So you're only good as your output. How many people did you save this week? Uh, I was a means to God's end. And then therefore that made me see others as a means to my end. So people were reduced to tithing units and friendships were reduced to network opportunities and building a house in Mexico was reduced to a social media post that garnered me some likes. But as a pastor, I was talking about a better world and Ryan seemed to be living in one and love was moving me onward. It was two totally different economies. It was like two different realities that I was being invited into. I mean, do you know people in your life like that? You know, that just in the, in the gentlest, um, gentlest kinds of ways, the um, those subtle, understated kinds of ways, just invite you onward to a better way of living, a better reality, a, um, an embracing of the wonder of love, you know? 
Hey everyone, it's Kristen. Just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in. I hope that you're finding these messages helpful for you in your everyday life. Um, that's what we're trying to do here is gather around the idea that life is a gift and love is the point and let's give ourselves ways to move forward in that in our own everyday world. Um, so I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for being a part of this community. To those of you who have participated and given financially, we wanna say thank you to you. Everything that we do here happens because people make contributions. People say, I value this place. I want it to exist for me and for other people. And so I'm going to support it. And so we just want to say how grateful we are um, that you do that. And for those of you who maybe haven't had a chance to contribute yet, um, we would ask you to consider maybe doing so. If you find this place beneficial, if you find these messages helpful for you, then um, consider joining us in that way. You can go to eastlakecc.com to make a contribution. Um, and we just always are thankful for the people who want this place to exist. So thanks again for tuning in. Let's get back to the message. My favorite TV show right now is Schitt's Creek. It's so, oh, I cried through the, if you didn't know already, I'm a crier. But I cried through the whole sixth season. Um, <laughs> it's just so beautiful. And so I, I of course, I, I read, or Laura and I watched um, kind of this after the show uh, segment they had and it kind of shows the behind the scenes of the whole sixth season and it but it goes into a little bit of the philosophy of the show and um to give you a little context I won't spoil it for you if you haven't seen it please watch this it's beautiful but um it's about a a, a family that was really wealthy and then they lose everything and they go into a small town and uh one of the main characters uh, played by Dan Levy uh is pansexual and a lot of the stories of the of the um, six seasons is him finding someone uh, and falling in love and getting married, and um, and they just have this wonderful relationship together. So cute, totes adorbs. And um, so so okay, where was I? Uh, so, but what stuck out to me was uh, they moved this small town, and it looked like the Midwest. And so I just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, of like when are they going to have like the um, homophobic person or this. Um, bump up against uh Dan Levy's uh character's relationship you know in a homophobic kind of way and it just it never happens through the whole show there's not even any mention or any uh, uh idea or concept of homophobia in the whole town in all the characters everywhere it just doesn't exist it's like they were like no we don't need that we're just going to show you a better way of living a better reality and invite you into that through the story and actually, Eugene Levy, one of the um, writers of the show, he says this. He goes, no one wants to hear advice when they know they're being lectured. And he said that in reference to that decision of that philosophy of we're just going to paint a better picture. And I, I and I see in the Bible that this is constantly filled with this kinds of invitation of like what love could be. And God gently moving us onward into a better reality as humanity I could give a lot of different examples, but one of them that comes to mind is this um, early on in the Bible, you see this escalation of violence happening that um, in the Old Testament, uh, in the Hebrew scriptures, they would talk about, um, you know, if you killed that person's um, cow, then they can kill um, your whole family. <laughs> so this escalation would occur and then these big tribe tribal um, battles would happen and that's how people dealt with stuff. And then God comes along and it's like, no, no, actually just an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. So if they kill your horse or kill your, your um, cow, then you get to kill their cow. Okay, just don't escalate. Keep it the way it is. A little tick, right, of moving towards the way of love. 
And then Jesus comes along and he says, actually, no more eye for an eye. Turn the other cheek. And if they ask you to walk one mile, actually walk with them too. And if they, they call for your coat, you should give them your shirt as well. Like, um, not only es- don't don't not only de-escalate, but escalate love. Like, give more than they're expecting. Love more than they're anticipating. Like, change lives, you know. And then he goes on to say, no, that's actually not further enough. You, you, you need to keep going. Like, love keeps growing. It's only that, but like, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. The same way that you, you love yourself, love your neighbor around you, the one next door, the one at the grocery store, um, the nurses and doctors in our world right now, um, everyone. And then he goes on to say at the end, like, not only that, but actually I want you to love your, ne- your enemy as well. Like the person that is completely against you, love them. The person you're terrified of, love them. I mean, just these small ticks of how God moves us onward, that love's always growing, that we constantly are in wonder of what love could be in our lives. Uh, Jesus, one of his most um, things he liked to say more than anything else was over and over again, he would always say, you've heard it said this, but now I tell you that. So you've heard it said about this thing that you read in this old book, or you heard it said this from up front behind the pulpit, or you heard it said from these authors you used to read, but now I tell you, this is actually the way of love. This is a better way of living. This is a much far more generous reality. You've heard it said, but now I tell you. And and I've started to realize if I'm if I'm gonna claim this idea of Christian then that means I got to get really used to just changing my mind about things. That's what it looks like. Uh, I, like I've heard it said, those experiencing homelessness are lazy. But if I knew their story, I know they are full of courage and strength. I've heard it said, my voice doesn't matter. But I've learned as I center marginalized people, I see beyond the zero sum I was raised in. I've heard it said, uh, why save it when you can pave it? But now I'm in awe by the technological, emotional, and spiritual eye-opening of humanity towards the stewardship of our planet. You've heard it said, but now I tell you that love's always growing. So, um, got done with that really uh, wet walk with uh, Ryan, cried in the car a bit, and then I had uh, my last meeting with that Christian organization. And uh, I remember they, they asked me a lot of different questions, but one of the things they asked is, do you think it was okay to affirm uh, this on a, a, this Facebook post? Would you think that was okay to affirm it? And I said, uh, I looked at them, I said, I think these two women need affirmation now more than ever. And it felt really great to say that because it was like quick right back at them. But I also knew I was super fired <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> and, and I was, uh, and it hurt. It really hurt bad, actually. Uh, cause not only did I lose my job, but I lost, uh, an entire tribe, um, a sense of belonging friendships that I'd had for years and years and years, uh, just gone, like gone, never to be heard of ever again. That there's a real sense that, um, sometimes you shoot your wounded, and it, it, it really, um, it hurt. And I got angry at times because wonder is, um, always puts us in a vulnerable place, you know, cause we're asking questions and we're, 
We're looking for how love is moving us onward. Uh, but certainty is comforting. And when we f feel hurt, usually that's when certainty steps in. It's comforting because we, we can pass judgments and we can say, okay, got that figured out. Don't need to think about that anymore. Put that on the shelf. Got that person figured out. Don't need to think about that anymore. Put them on the shelf. And our brains are our meaning makers. You know, we are created to create stories. And for me, the story, the, um, the judgment was evangelicals are evil. And those people in that room are, are terrible human beings. I don't want to think about it anymore. But also I noticed that wonder started to die. Because you can be certain about people. You, you, can't be, you cannot be certain about people while holding on to the wonder of love. It just doesn't work. So uh, Brene Brown has this, um, this one of many things. She's wonderful. But she has this thing called uh, SFDs. Uh, and she, it stands for shitty first drafts. And it's, it's the stories we tell about people in order to protect ourselves because we're hurt. And um, it's the way we can become certain about someone. I mean, is that, is that you? Have you experienced that recently? That, you know, that in order to protect yourself, this is how I can be certain about that person so I can pass judgment. But we sacrifice wonder in the process. I'm no longer open to you've heard it said, but now I tell you. I'm no longer asking what else am I missing. I start to get resentful. And in that resentfulness, I started to look more inward. Like, okay, where's that coming from? And I started to be haunted by the idea that do I resent my evangelical friends um, because I resent who I used to be? That I'm offended because the, they remind me of who I was. I avoid them because they are a reminder of the past pain I've caused. And even more so, I, I, um, I had a few friends that I worked with and they were all female. And they like totally moved on. They were like, yeah, I don't care. And they got better jobs and they uh, moved on with their lives. And I was just still clinging to like the hurt and the pain. And I realized the difference was, was uh, um, I was clinging to it more because I, I used to benefit from it. And they didn't. They were actually oppressed by it. And so when they found new jobs, it was like, this is wonderful. But for me, I was actually the oppressor and didn't realize it. And I benefited from that system that elevates white males. And uh, so no wonder there was a lot more grief associated with it and resentment. That's embarrassing to admit to yourself. Um, but it was in that confrontation that um, I started to do some really good inner work. How do I recapture wonder? Because I don't want to live the rest of my life like this, you know? James Baldwin, he says, uh, I imagine that one of the reasons people cling to their hates so stubbornly is because they sense once hate is gone that they will be forced to deal with pain. And that was me. Absolutely. But you cannot curse the hill you see from. You know, I realized that, that, um, that I could not... Um, reject who I used to be because it was part of who I am now that I actually have to integrate it. I have to include it and then transcend above it. That's, that's part of my story. And, and that's actually okay. Um, that, um, I started to have empathy for myself of who I used to be and that evangelical pastor and saying some of the things that terrify me now that, that that's who I was. And I was doing the best I knew 
best I could with what I knew. That it's the best I could. Love was still moving me forward, but it it's still moving me forward. And and that's okay, Kyle. And I actually started to even love that person. Like he just didn't know any better, and that's okay. And here's the clincher, guys. This is what I noticed as I started to have empathy for myself, who I was. I started to imagine empathy for those others that are who they are now. Like those people in that room that day I got fired. Like I, I started to imagine some empathy for them. Empathy towards who I was increased empathy for who others are now and allowed me to start integrating. So Brene Brown has this other thing that she says that um, it's good for our souls that people are doing the best they can with what they have, what they knew. And I, I actually had to say that about myself and then I had to turn around and start to try to say it about others. You know, that, um, that Sam was doing the best he could with what he knew. <laughs> but I, I, um, I love what happens in my life when I say those things. Like, do you feel that, like the way the wonder of love starts to like reawaken when you're able to say that about others? Like, oh my gosh, it's wonderful how that can um, help us reimagine and how allow love to continue to move us on. That's not justifying or excusing anyone's behavior, but it, it's saying that I will not allow anything or anyone to rob me of wonder and to, for love to have its way. So um, to kind of help imagine this a bit better, um, I told you I've been married for 17 years and I remember uh, vaguely <laughs> at this point when we got married and Laura was walking down the aisle and I was so certain uh, that, I, that I knew what love was. I was so positive and confident that I knew exactly what love was. And I look back at that, that, that kid standing um, in, in the middle of this altar waiting for his bride to come down the aisle. I, I look at that kid and I'm like, man, you didn't know what you're talking about, dude. Um, but I love that kid. And I wouldn't, I would not trade those 17 years for anything. Those are so necessary and wonderful. I, but part of me thinks that kid was an idiot, but, and that's okay, but because I've grown. But, but here's the clincher, though. I can't wait until 17 years from now, until I look back at this guy right now and realize, like, that guy had no idea what he's talking about because love had moved me on. Like, if love will have its way, I will look back at this guy right now and be like, yeah, he, he was trying his best, but he was kind of an idiot. I want love to have its way. I want it to have it's that kind of way that it's continually growing and I'm reimagining what could love become? What could love be? So the wonder of love is uh, that it grows. It's always moving us onward. I'm sure uh, you and I, I'm sure you as well, like look back at the person you used to be and like that person was really great, but man, they had no idea they were talking about. And that's good. It's really good, actually. That means love is having its way. So what was love for you? A few questions to wrap things up. What was love? And then um, what else are you missing? 
how are you experiencing that idea of you've heard it said, but now I tell you? What is love now for you? Like, um, who or what are you certain about? Confidence is great. Certainty is, is a killer. Who or what are you certain about? You've created that, um, that SFD. And it's a draft, but it's meant to be only be that. Because love moves us on. And then lastly, what could love become? What could it be? Who in your life invites you into a better reality? For me, I, I just instantly go to my uh, COVID pod. Um, Evan, Ryan, Joanna, Steph. Like they're not um, ex-evangelicals. They're just, they're just lovely people that um, have found a peace and, and they constantly help me heal and move me towards whole, wholeness. You know? Like I'll, I'll come up with an answer and I realize, oh, they're just asking better questions. And uh, invite me into a better reality. Who is doing that for you? Who invites you into a better world? So, uh, yeah, that's it. May you and I experience this, uh, this wonder of love. May it continue to move us onward and grow within us and then out of us. May we also invite others into a better reality. Not, not getting hung up on um, making contrasts, but just painting a better picture of what love could become. Uh, I miss you all, and I love you as well. Peace to you. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.